0: Y'all welcome back I, I am excited for sure but uh but tonight's tonight's gonna be a special episode honestly um Eric is here my man solid as a rock and he is uh he's gonna be in for a ride as all of you honestly are going to be because this week uh we welcome back friend of the show John Rowe and uh and yeah John and I in the last couple of years both our fathers have died so tonight, we are going to talk about that. Um, anyone who's listened to this podcast before knows I don't, uh, I don't hold many things in high regard. <laughs> I tend to make jokes at basically anyone's expense. But when it comes to other people's parents dying, I am genuinely going to try my best to be respectful here. I mean, John and I go back damn near 20 years. But regardless, I, I think there is a there's a tone that has to be attempted to be kept. So I apologize in advance if and when I do break because I'm just, you know me. But I'm definitely going to try to make less jokes than usual. And I'm sure many of you are listening thinking you don't usually make jokes. And that's a fair point. But Nailed it. Nailing it. Tonight is going to be, I I promise I'm going to try a more serious discussion. Um, And honestly, I I don't even know where to start this one. Uh, Y'all know what I mean? Like, I, I don't even... I don't even feel comfortable with like, the usual stupid questions to start, like what's your favorite cereal or like what's your favorite color of socks. Like I, I think instead we just kind of got to start like John just right now, man. How are you feeling uh, as we're about to start this episode? What, what are you what do you what's going through your mind? How are you right now, sir?
1: I'm okay. I'm all right. Um, it is tough to talk about, and in thinking about this episode, I feel better today than I do the day before my father died. Hmm. I've gone through a lot of ups and downs over the last years. And, uh, we'll get, I'm sure we'll talk about the circumstances within my father's death. But one thing I can say today is I feel really good. And I got a lot of family around me who supports me still and friends. And one thing great about living in the same city for your whole life is you got, you got a lot of support around you, you know, uh, so, you know, I feel, I feel really good today and good, uh, t- today was a real good day. Good. How are you
0: doing, Joey? Ah, uh, man, it's, <laughs> it's been an up and down last couple of, I mean, cause John, we decided to do this one maybe two and a half ish weeks ago. So, I mean, it has been on the back, if not the forefront of my mind for at least well, two and a half weeks. You know you I mean? give
1: me You've given me the option of this or chess and- Yeah, it's true. I, um- I have a little more to say, I think on this,
0: and,
1: and <laughs> that's fair, bro. even that's though it, I don't know if y'all said it, but if, in the ch- if you are playing chess and you think you're a novice or playing somebody better than you, you should castle. Okay. Oh, it, it, it's just, it, 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 just like, that's a novice idea. Keep your good pieces off the rails, take center position. If you take yeah. advantage, trade down, um, that that's basically the only thing i would have that would have been my entire chess pod but <laughs> we're talking we're talking about fathers and we're going to talk about you know in a way i think we'll talk about grief but I, oh yeah one, one thing i like to ask you joe is just i i guess kind of like in an overbroad because we're going to talk about our fathers but you're a father and what do you think a role of a father is cuz you know people have you know people have different ideas so that kind of wouldn't mind put it to you and maybe you could talk about how your father played a role and I could talk about how my father played a played a role.
0: Absolutely. I, I actually have uh, a bit written down about that. I was going to try and end more or less on that if you don't mind, but um oh. well, but no, well, dude, I, I love the one on the same page. I'm not even kidding. I, I love the well, world, like I, well, Obviously argument. I think there's, you know, a couple of standard topics that, that just had, you know, it, it just involve anything involving death brings up the kind of, Generic, I don't know, generic, but there, there's a few general emotions and concepts that I think just everybody goes through. So yeah, man, I, I absolutely want to do that. Um, before that though, I do, I, Eric, how are you feeling, bro? Like you're kind of sitting here, I mean, I, I, what role do you, like, you know what I mean? Like how, how are you sitting right now?
2: So I've, I've always found this idea interesting, right? Like this is something I actually wanted to ask both of you because- no matter who you are, you end up sort of complaining about your parents one way or another, right? Oh, like everybody, everybody's annoyed by everybody in some way, shape, or form. But especially your parents, somehow something they do tends to get under your skin. And I found myself, based off experiences with like you two and with other people I know have lost their parents, sort of catching myself sometimes when I'm frustrated, being like, "Hey, at least I have this privilege to be frustrated." And so I'm curious with you two how you process talking about. Having your friends or your wife, Joe, or your loved ones, John, like talk about their parents when you're missing one of them. Like, how do you react to that? What's that like for you?
0: I will tell you for sure. I am glad that enough time has passed that that awkward pause that I started to notice people that knew that my dad had died when they would tell a story about their specifically their dad, but either one parent, they would start into it, catch themselves Kind of give a half stare, realize they shouldn't have stared and then go back into the story like they realize they probably shouldn't have said it and then realize they definitely shouldn't have stopped. And then they kept going. I am glad that enough time has passed that that little moment is no longer a part of my day to day because I admit I don't I didn't know how to address that. I am of the personality type that I would rather just say it. Whatever it is you're thinking, I would rather the dirtiest, nittiest, grittiest details, the nastiest, muddiest, just hit me with it and we can address that. Dancing around the topic, I have never A, been good at or B, good at addressing when it happens. Like I don't know how to like do that dance. So I can say for certain, I'm glad that no longer happens. But also it, it, at least enough time has passed I and mean, it's, it's not even been two years, but it's coming up on it. I, I'm, it's just part of it. You know, like I, I am happy for others. Ash, if you're listening, I love you. I am happy for others that they have uh, the 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 blessing to have both parents still with them. And I am also lucky. I mean, I still have my mother. Like I, I am still blessed beyond belief. And E, to to kind of go on your point, I am. I have definitely dialed back my or, or lowered my bar, I guess, of like, oh, mom, you're being whatever again. And was like, you know what? that's cool, man. Like you you do, you Phil? like that is totally okay. John, do you have a similar experience there? Is that kind of how you feel about it? And just the question is kind of like
1: how I feel when people bring up dads. Yeah. I'm always happy and supportive, you know, like talk about like when Clay talks about going and hunting. Yeah. And I'm just like, man, have a great time, man. You know, and I don't have to tell him like, enjoy the moments. You know, like he—he's gonna go out there and enjoy the moments. Like uh, he doesn't have to tell me anything. You know, I think once you you have good friends, when you 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 kind of you talk without saying the words and stuff. Mm. Now within my family, I feel like sometimes when we get to talking about it, and it's it's a lot of one-on-one conversations. It's not like open room conversations. It gets pretty emotional pretty quick, and it's hard to it's hard to hold down the conversation. It's hard to t- say things without. It wouldn't surprise me at some point tonight if I'm half crying slash talking, and that's about how it sounds whenever I'm talking to my mom about dad sometimes. Oh, yeah. so no. it's just, it, you know, that's that's kind of the way it is. And if anybody out there is recently dealing with grief, I would just tell them that's okay. Yeah, you know, they understand too if they've known that individual, and they think you know most people have gone through loss. So um, I think most people can put themselves in their places. I have something that I don't think will lighten the mood, but I used to have a coworker who I uh, was so bad because we used to like hang out and have a good time. But his mom had passed at a young age, but I was so young and dumb enough to every once in a while forget and just go, "Your mom goes to college like Napoleon Ooh, Dynamite." Yeah. And the first time he actually said, "Yo, my mom's dead," I was like, ha-ha, really?" And he was like, "Nah, for real," yeah. you know. And it's just like. Um. So, is there ever a good time to joke about death? I don't know.
0: <laughs> Maybe not. Probably not. See, but that's but it, interesting because I, yeah. I made jokes like I have about my own father's death. I, I admit that. I mean, literally about my own. Certainly, about plenty of others, and I've made that same mistake. But like, I some people have laughed and understood that I was doing it. Because if you know me, you know I make jokes just and as a coping mechanism to anything, especially this. So to expect that I would suddenly change my coping mechanisms, like I caught one person asking me, like, "Is now really the time to make jokes?" Like, have you ever known me not to make jokes? Like, why would I? Why would that stop? But I mean, but I, I get it; it's understandable from from that. point. you know, I, but I'm noticing that personally, I say the word death more than most people. I don't use the term passed away. And I especially do not like using the word "lost" when referring to someone dying. Like when someone says, "We lost our grandma over the weekend." Like it is so hard for me when someone says that to not make a joke, like, "Well, we should go look for her." Ha ha ha! Because I can't, I can't get down on the concept of "lost" being dead. That's just it. And I know that's just semantics. And I know you know I'm 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 splitting the atom of of horizontal fusion for the semantics here but I can't dig it. I just, I I find that I am better saying straightforward, but here's my question to both of you. Why is it seemingly so as a society? Why are we scared of the word dead or death? Why did we come up with all of these metaphors? They crossed over. They passed away. We lost them. They're no longer with us. None of those things mean death, but we've all agreed that they mean death because we're too scared to say it. Why?
2: I think there's a couple factors in play here, if I may be so bold as to propose a couple of things. Um one, I don't know that like all cultures are like that with dead. Like Ooh. there's literally a Dios de los Muertos, right? Right. In Mexico. They celebrate right? the day of the dead. And it sort of plays into the second point where it's like in that culture, that ideology, in a way, they are lost because they do return. You know what I mean? And so like, and I think a lot of that might be based in the idea of religion and afterlife, which is something I was curious about when you were talking, saying this, Joe, like the idea that one day in a lot of religions or ideologies, you do get the chance to reconnect with people who have quote unquote passed or died. Right. And so I'm wondering if part of the um, language is for that reason. But as far as like just the word dead or death, I'm not sure. Why here we choose the nicer euphemisms than just the straight up? That's that's a that, really good question. It's definitely,
0: it, now that you say it, it's an American thing. Maybe it's just a Western thing, I don't know. But it's an American thing for sure.
1: Uh, maybe we shouldn't generalize it. Maybe it's a person thing. Uh, to piggyback off Eric, I think dead is so finite. Like it's a scary. Whereas those other words have an idea of optimism to them. So it's just like, you know, whenever you talk to somebody, you generally try to, at least I try to say things in the nicest way to make it understanding for them. Like, I don't want to tell them in a very mean, brash way because it might offend them. I think the word dead or death is it just, just like blackout, you know, no more, no more, no moss. But uh, I think lost or, you know, that just takes a bit of the weight off of uh, the situation.
2: Yeah, I think that's a really good point, John. Like dead or death, there's almost a sense – like it is final, but there's – it's. we use those words more often or not when we're talking about something more violent or bad, right? In a way, I think compared to when we say past or lost, there can be something more peaceful about that idea. And so maybe that's part of why we lean towards those words as well. Yeah, when well, you're talking about like
1: afterlives, I was thinking about those Vikings, man. Like they used to celebrate just like going wild, and you get to party with your homeboys in the yeah. afterlife. Reach in Valhalla.
2: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Fun fact my mom wants a Viking funeral. Hell yes. Fun fact I want a Viking
1: funeral. I've never, yeah. once, I've but never wanted but, but with bagpipes.
0: <laughs> I've never requested to be invited to a funeral, but I want to be there. That's very weird, I admit, but we're here, so fuck it. I want to be there. Also, uh, I I would think that on the whole, if you ask a general person how often they refer to a human being as dead, and I mean using the word dead, or how often they refer to their phone battery as dead, I'm willing to bet the average person says it more about their phone or about any other battery. You know what I mean? Like my TV died, my whatever iPad died. It doesn't matter. Like I think that's more common. But also, I, I think, and this is... Probably specific to me and my experience, because I was a father of a four and a two-year-old when my father passed, maybe three, one, I think it was four, two, doesn't matter. Point is, I actually was, and this is just me, I mean nothing against anyone because I admit up front before I am admittedly going to peel the mask off and probably get angry in this little rant here, so go with me. I know they were trying to help both of these people, none of whom I will name, I believe were trying to help, but both of them told my son that my father had passed and he was alive in heaven. Both of them told a four-year-old child that your grandpa is alive in heaven. Now, Telling a 17-year-old that I'm not going to parse words with you. The point of this is not my aversion to religion or is there is there not an afterlife? It's the idea that I know you thought you were helping. You told a four four-year-old that death isn't finite. And that's why maybe I have become so staunch in my use of the word death and dead, and not saying these flowery terms. Because for months after my father's passing, I had to rerun this loop with my son when he would ask, can we call grandpa? Because when he heard alive in heaven, he might as well have heard he's alive in Texas or Canada or Florida. He heard heaven and pictured a place, and now he doesn't believe that death is real. Like, I know these people thought they were helping, but just because you had good intentions does not negate the fact that you really fucked up. You ruined a child's temporary view of what death is. And and I, I admit I'm more mad for him because this poor kid had to experience the fact that I had to keep telling him, Grandpa's dead. And he had to experience that for the first time over and over and over. But also me. I didn't want to have to do that. Don't put that shit on me. I did it once the day he died. I did it again on his funeral. And then to then have to do it day after day because of your good intentions, I actually think that it would have been better to say that he was just dead I could be wrong do you, do you agree or disagree there
1: uh, well one thing I guess what we're talking about is people supporting us while we go through loss yes and, and the people who are trying their best to pass on the back or tell us good job or um I'm sure the person who said that to your children had the best intentions Yes, yeah. I think you've get I've, from what you've said you've given them that credit um they and you also kind of, you also, also kind of mentioned how, bit, yeah, huh? <laughs> that's a tough one to get put through, man. Um, wow. Well, right. He well, together. that sucks.
2: Well, that, that sucks. Go ahead.
1: Yeah. Well, I just, yeah, like, I feel like we'd get off topic, but is that the kind of person you didn't drop out of your life? Or is that, no. the, is that the kind of person who's listening to this party and you're talking to him right now?
0: Nah, they'll never listen. And if they do, uh, you if they do, they probably forgotten by now and it doesn't matter. But, uh, I'm curious your thoughts because
2: I'm trying to read your face. Yeah, I mean, for one, Joe, that sucks, right? Like, I mean, yeah, you know, I feel bad do. for your kid. I feel bad for you. And I guess really, what that is is like to me, that's a poor understanding of like what it means to be friends with parents who have young kids or like interact with young kids because you sort of and even if they directly ask you you do your best but you also like i have two nieces that are five and three right like i try to ensure that if they ask me like a pointed difficult question i'm like well here's what i think but you should really talk to mommy and daddy about that thank you right because ultimately it's the parents responsibility to do that they're their kids they're the ones who are going to mold them and shape them overall so Yeah, and I – for some reason, Joe, I assume the people you're talking about are older in age and they would feel some sort of authority to do that.
0: And they already had kids. They Both people have older kids now, so maybe they just forgot what it's like to have a four-year-old.
2: Come on. But that's okay. the exact type of thing to me, like somebody with kids would do because they think they know what the answer is, right?
0: Exactly. That, that, I, I Again, I, I want to make sure – because A, they'll never listen. But just anybody that listening that might have might be agreeing with that being a good idea. I'm not mad at you for the thought. I know you thought you were helping. But if I think I'm helping by giving a bunch of first graders candy, they might be allergic. And if I didn't actually do the research and really run this through and plan this out and know where this was going before I fucking did what I did – I'm not innocent, and like, we don't have to stay on this topic. But that's just kind of what I do. Well,
1: uh, let me just I'll, just to jump in. Yeah, yeah, do it. Within, I have a bunch of five nieces and nephews. We get together often, and it's not a similar thing because we did not run into that issue. Of my, I think I believe my nieces and nephews believe Papa Foof is in heaven they don't believe he's alive and able to be called and some are young and some are older, but they're, they're, they're pretty similar in age. There's five of them. But, um, when we celebrate and talk about Papa Foof, you know, it's always just like, you remember how much he loved you? Yeah, I remember, yeah. you know, we're just, it's like, That's sweet. It, we talk to him in a way of like re-supporting the family and, uh, just how much we loved each other. So it, that might be the right way to comfort a child
0: yeah i know they're trying to comfort and support and i appreciate that but john clearly the way that you guys do it in my opinion is is the better way but okay let's let's uh let's move on because i I admit i I have just a wealth of anger at that topic so we'll move forward um Admittedly, death is a topic that I had never talked about with either parent as far as their will or their wishes for a funeral or anything like that. Is that something that either one of you have ever discussed with either one of your parents going back however long you want to go? Is that something that you've ever really brought up?
1: It was always talked about in our family where dad wanted to be cremated and mom wanted to be buried. Even going back 10 years. Just from like, it was kind of what, it was really one of the things within the marriage that she, mom wanted dad buried beside her for religious reasons. She didn't want him cremated and dad wanted to be cremated because he's a Viking.
0: Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. You know, I'm curious, what did you, what did you guys end up doing?
1: Uh, we have ashes that mom will be buried with dad's ashes.
0: All right. Hey, that's, that's I compromise. Am, I am. Man. Yeah,
1: yeah. But, uh, yeah. There's a few little plots. It's it. I mean, that's an interesting thing where like mama Jean and Papa George, my grandparents bought about six plots. It kind of like two for them and four for like, they had three children, I guess, married and stuff. Two of them lived in Houston. And it's really weird. And like, it's right off Mopac and a very beautiful place, but I really don't know who in our family would want to be buried there anymore. Like in a way I kind of would want to, cause I'm, I'm from Austin. I live in Austin. Uh But in other ways, once again, I want that Viking funeral where I'm getting pushed out in a longboat and somebody shoots a bow and arrow with a flaming arrow into the boat. There's bagpipe playing. That's would you you I would you
0: say somebody, do you mean your brother or Clay? <laughs> <laughs> uh
1: I would – you know what? I would choose Clay because he would actually practice shooting
0: up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes,
0: hell yeah! Like
1: could, kids, might be like, I could one time this. <laughs> I got you it. Get that and Game of throne he, situation, it, right? It, yeah. As it, yeah, but as he keeps going, he'd be like, "No," and he probably would have the strength to like after the sixth one to actually get it there. Be like, "I told you, I had it. I
2: told you." <laughs> oh, I love it! All right, yeah. so um. Yeah, dude. Joe, dude, the answer John. to that question, though, is actually for me, yes. And I wonder, part of it is that I think I'm the oldest child. Ah. Uh, uh. So, like, I, I am also responsible for that in some way. But, I mean, for a long time now, I've known that, like, that's what my mom wants. And that's, um, there's, like, a file on her computer that says, if I die, then I'm supposed to open. <laughs> dude. That's, that's a and level of... Like as they've gotten older too, like my both of my parents have like mentioned things like anytime they have like conversations like this about like, here's what to do, you know, with the will or insurance or anything like they do it a lot of the times when I'm there.
0: No shit. I mean, that's and smart. And I'm like very honestly.
2: appreciative of that, quite honestly. Yeah,
0: it's dark. I mean, it's heavy, but it's, I, I appreciate that just from third party that that your mom has a folder ready. Cause like, admittedly, my dad didn't, we kind of didn't, you know, plan on this at all. And now my mom certainly does. We've talked about a bunch of stuff, but it's not something that we ever brought up before. And it's something that like, I don't know what age you, you know, flip that switch. But like, at some point when my kids are like 20s ish, I guess you just start bringing that up you know, like, I, I guess I, when did you recall when the first time you started talking about
2: it? I think, well, I think it originally started probably when, you know, one of my grandparents was thought to be, you know, almost dying mm-hmm. and they recovered mm-hmm. or whatever, but it's, I think it generally started around that. And now like they're all gone, but I think it's, it still comes up as just like, you know, a thing when something happens and like, Oh, Hey, I did this part. Like I'm, you know, I tend to be privy to it or at least privy enough to where if something were to happen, I would know what to do.
0: Good. Fucking. Yeah. Good. All right. Well, John, if, you, if you're okay with it, I'm going to start it with some kind of hard-hitting questions. You, you good? Yeah, I'm good, man. All right. Good. So when you first heard, well, I guess let's just start here. How, just for, you know, our millions of listeners, how did your father die?
1: my father died of lung cancer after being probably about a 20 month. I want to say it was about 20 month fight after being diagnosed. So, uh, but he died in the hospital in North Austin and uh, with my mom and sister beside him. And uh, so that's, that's kind of the overview. I don't, If you want the long story,
0: no. That well, what I want, uh, if you don't mind, you know, month one of that twenty month fight, when you kind of first heard about it, mm -hmm. what were do you remember? And it's okay if you don't. Do you remember your first thoughts when when you were brunted with the the thought of wow, this is it? We be it one month, twenty months, thirty months. Do you remember your first thought when you realized like, oh man, this he you know he's mortal after all. So I've
1: thought about this a lot. Like this is the story kind of of my dad's past. And basically that's what it it is. And uh, so when he he was diagnosed with cancer, there was no surprise. My father smoked cigarettes. He was a big fan of whiskey. He loved the news. He'd come home. He'd work hard. He'd come home every day, like five, six o'clock, put on the news, have a couple of cigarettes on the back porch, have some whiskey, cook dinner for everybody, play some solitaire on the computer. By the way, if y'all want to think about this, I want to ask you how the internet played a factor on your guys, on y'all's fathers. Um, there's something to think about for the future. But that, that's kind of a typical day of my dad's life. So when he was diagnosed with cancer, lung cancer, and you know, it was no big surprise. But you still, and or I did, and I think a lot of us in raw fashion tried to take it on, you know, and just be positive and hope for the best. But some of the things I look back on now, they, I remember the doctors telling us that most people live about two years. And like I said, I think he went about 20 months or so. So, you know, it took me a while, I realize it's like, at least I had a little bit of comfort in knowing, like they gave me a timeline and it was relatively close and we were prepared, you know, and in some ways, um, I was able to be there and go to the hospital and see my father. Um, and that was, that's probably the hardest day of my life. Um, and later on then i actually saw Eric and, uh, and that, yeah, it's a tough experience to go through. Um, but how did I feel what month one after he was diagnosed with cancer Let's go. Let's fight this thing. You know, let's be positive. I thought, you know, especially with our family, like positivity could win out if anything could. But I wasn't surprised of uh, what the diagnosis was. And I, I'd be lying if I said there wasn't a part of me who didn't think that it would end the way it did. Mm-hmm. You know, I, you know, I wouldn't. One hundred percent. I was positive because I thought positive, being positive would help you know, and I think it may have helped in some ways, you know, maybe be, he kept going longer.
0: Yeah. Um, this one is, thing that, Oh my God.
1: Well, one thing I was just going to get to was just some of the things I think kept my dad going for so long were his grandparent or his grandchildren and how much joy got out of them. And that's one thing I guess I want to touch back with. Unfortunately, those people said what they said, but I'm sure your father, even though he may not known, they were the last years of his life. I bet the last years of his life were probably some of the best years because he actually got to experience them with his grandchildren.
0: I got, or we got, uh, incredibly lucky. Um, just a wild story, I admit. So buckle up. Um, I had been living in South Dakota for a few years. I'd been living in Denver for many years before that. And my folks lived in Texas. So from the day one that my, first, that my son was born, and even when my daughter was born, we never lived near them. Never. So, you know, they got weeks at a time to come up for Christmas for like seven, eight days. And then, you know, Thanksgiving, whatever. But uh, in January, my father died in April. In January, he moved. He and my mom moved up to Pierre, South Dakota, where we were living. Uh, and it's a tiny little town that I, that I have many a fond memories. But my mom actually wasn't able to move up uh, in January. My father did by himself. And so he had three months of essentially no job. He had a job. He was working for the church up there because he's always been very religious and that was kind of his thing. But it hadn't really started yet as far as his real responsibilities and yada, yada. So he had essentially three months of all day, every day with his grandkids. And at the time, we were just like, man, this is awesome. How great is this? I mean, this is the future. This is going to be the next 15 years, man. Like We had driven around. And I'm so lucky for this moment. Uh, You know, I I did. If to to God, if this was a God thing, I appreciate it. We got to drive around this little town of Pier, and we saw a little football field. And he was like, "Yeah, we can coach little league there." And we saw the little gymnastics studio. He was like, "Yeah, I don't know how to do anything with gymnastics, but if Emmy gets into gymnastics, I'll totally do that." You know, he's just being Tim, and it was awesome. Like we tr- genuinely had that great moment. We had many late night talks. I mean, late night being like eight 30. Cause the old man went to bed at like eight. So I'd stretch him to like eight 30 sometimes. But <laughs> I'm we had, sure, Dan. Yeah, sure. dude, he was done. If you guys ever stayed, you both did stay the night at my house. He was out by like six 15 back in the day. Like I stretched him as much as I could, but we had many, a good interaction and he had so many days. I mean, seven, eight hours straight where he would just take the kids to the YMCA play in the pool or you know, whatever the fuck. So we got incredibly lucky. And he was there from January, uh, February, March. And then my mom moved up in April. And I mean, this is just the bomb of the story. My mom moved up in April, and three days later, my father died. And it was quite surprising, um, to say the least, obviously, because I mean, she hadn't even settled in. She didn't even know the house yet. Like, she hadn't even unpacked. Like, you know, it was just a point. It was, I mean, not that there's ever a good time for anybody to die, but it's certainly wasn't a good time to die but that was that was the run-up and honestly we were very lucky uh, not knowing it at the time but that was a great way for him for the old man to end his life he got a a giant chunk of time with his grandkids
2: joe it, for, for our listeners can you just tell them how uh,
0: oh shit yeah uh he died he was helping the church him and a bunch of other people were out shoveling snow and uh it, They say that it's not good for anybody's heart when you're that old, but certainly a Texan who had never shoveled snow that probably played a part in it. Also, he was a smoker too. So there's a bunch of shit that went into this. I mean, whatever, but heart attack. And, um, yeah, I mean, I guess let's go into just the the day he died. Um, I remember it vividly, I'll admit I, I was working from home in my little home office room or whatever. And Sarah came in and with a weird look on her face and my mom was just like, Screaming essentially through the phone, I could kind of hear her just talking, just nonsense, and I was just like, "Look, hang up." So, just, yeah. but for those of you who know, don't know my mother, love her to death. She was the cheerleading coach as my high school, as well as an incredibly religious Southern Baptist church goer. Uh, like we went to a church that believed in like speaking in tongues. <laughs> like <laughs> here's just a just a insight into my life. Literally, most Sundays of my childhood, I would be in a room where multiple people were shaking violently uh screaming in a language that didn't exist they called it you know the, the speaking in tongues convulsing with the holy spirit shouting out loud nonsensical things and all kinds of, like that happened me every too, Sunday me too. bro like that but like that that normalizes a lot of behavior that is probably not normalized to a lot of other people but that leads me to two points the, the two points there my bar for what is hysterical quote unquote, is set very high. So when Sarah was like, your mom's hysterical, I was like, well, I mean, look, is blood coming out of her eyes? Like, she's probably fine. Like, that's just, you know what I mean? Like, that's just what it is. My mother, point B, was capable of being incredibly loud. And talking incredibly fast. If you ever heard her scream at football games or just being a cheerleader or whatever, like she was emotionally emotionally invested in a lot of things. So her speaking in a way that would probably seem hysterical to most was what I just assumed like she was just kind of a little into the conversation. You know what I mean? So when Sarah says, you know, hey, your mom's being hysterical, I was just like, yeah, 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 whatever. I, I, what I do here is get to the hospital. I assume my dad like broke his leg, you know what I mean? or, Or something. So like I take my time, I slowly get dressed. I hate to admit this, but I took a shot of whiskey, might've taken two because I assumed that I was going to go to the hospital and just like watch this guy get a cast. And I was going to be, I was like, might as well get a buzz on or whatever. So we, we get to the hospital. It's a, I hate to admit it, but it's fucking true. So there it is. We get to the hospital. I, I am met at the door by a, a small female doctor who introduces herself and she goes, hi, I was the doctor who was working on your father. And. I'm literally shaking her hand, like I'm just like nice to meet you, and I'm processing what she just said, and I squeeze the ever loving fuck out of this poor woman's hand at the realization, and I go, "What do you mean, was?" And her face drops, and I realize it before she even says a word, and then she does say the words, "Your father is dead." I basically fall to the ground, like I, I catch myself or whatever, but my knees drop, like my knees give. I, I am out. She's being very comforting, and I'm trying to be nice. But I I basically stiff armor and I'm like, look, I'm going to need you to just stop. And so I just, I take like three seconds because before I can really even go into like, holy shit, he's dead. I realize that my mom is in the next room. I got to get like, so I just, you know, I got to, I stand up, walk over and, and wow, that was, that was not a fun moment (laughs) to say, to say the least y'all looking at at my mother, a woman who is fully and 100% aware that my father has gone but also not willing to accept it you know what i mean which fucking of course I mean fucking like of course i never want to know what that's like i sarah and i agreed we're both gonna live to 110 we're gonna die in our sleep it's cool that's never happening perfect but if that if that yeah but if that does ever happen, i can't you know i can't imagine so i mean i i i I pushed through all of that like that was a long moment yada yada and i don't need to go and tell her shit but nobody's having a good time i then but i bum a cigarette from the coroner, because he smells like cigarettes. I I I'd quit had quit cigarettes four days. <laughs> you sniffed it out. Four days prior to this, I had quit cigarettes, and then I smelled it on him, and I was like, I'm going to need one of them. He hands me, like, a Marlboro 100. Fucking gross, but I needed it. So, uh, I, I went outside. I, you know, lit up. And for the first time, you know, in, in the last hour and a half or whatever, I start bawling my eyes out. Like I hadn't really allowed myself to go there. You know what I mean? Like I'm probably looking at, like every weird movie character. Like I'm looking up at the sky saying, I can't believe you're, you know, all of that. I'm full on, full out, all of that. Finally finished the cigarette, kind of caught my, caught my breath, slowed my crying, yada, yada, yada. And, and I admitted out loud, I was like, dad, I, I promise I'll do my best to take care of mom. And I'll walk back inside. And that was... Easily top five worst moment of my life, probably top three or even one, one. but that was, yeah. it, it pro- I mean, you know what I mean? Like brutal. So, so here's my segue out yeah. of that, John. It, and this is a, this is a awful question and it's not fair. It, uh-huh. In hindsight, do you think you would have preferred a kind of quick and random death? A la my father. Or did you prefer the strung out process, a la yours? No,
1: uh, I've. Dude, we're not going to get offended, right? Like this is one of those things. Like, yeah, I've, I've had a hard time thinking about this because I, I want to say you called me yours, six months, five or six months after my dad passed, you give me a call, and I felt that it was unfair how you would lost your dad. It actually made me feel fortunate that I was able to spend time with my dad thinking he was on his way like I, we kind of you know I, I I still regret not going to spend more time with him but I also still appreciate that there was an idea that he might die so I I still would make a point to go out and see him so I always thought it was unfair how your dad died just one day uh, and it wasn't just one day. They were making the move to go up there to be with y'all. So it really felt like it, it just um,
2: – it, it was brutal. <laughs> it was
1: brutal. Go ahead. No, I was just going to
2: say I, I love that you use the word unfair because that's the exact word I think of when somebody talks about losing somebody so quickly. Like it just – that is the word that it rings out I think is unfair. Hmm. You know, it's weird, uh, I think,
0: and this is only because I had just got three straight months of nothing but my father. Not even my mother was there, which obviously I would have had her there, it would have been fun, but like it was literally just me and him, or me, him and the kids, or me, him and my wife, and you know what I mean? I had just gotten a three-month just injection of time with him, and because of that, I think, and obviously I don't know, I think I'd prefer this way. Because, and John, I'm, I'm going to ask you another hard question. In my mind, my last memory of my father, he was still himself. He was still, you know, relatively fit. Not really, but you know what I mean. He was still 100%, even though, you know, he was 60-something. he was 100. His, all of our 100% at 60 are going to be less than 100% now. That's just the thing. But you know what I mean? He was still fully him. Whereas, is it hard, John, when you think back of your father, Do you, when you just think, you know, just in, in passing – if you just like think of your dad, do you think of him as the last, you know, five, six months that you remember? Or do you think of him as like the guy when you were like 15, you know what I mean? Like, did it taint your view of him at all?
1: No, but I, Good. I prepared. Good. I'm, I, I'm just glad to hear that. Like, and It's one of the things once again, we're like, uh, I mean, they go into, to the family store, um, be like, I was working and my mom had called and she was like, you know, you should come to the hospital tonight. So I went to the hospital tonight. We all talked and had a great little talk. And then they were like, tomorrow we're going to take him off, you know, the blood pressure medicine. And he could crash or he'll recover, you know, he could crash, but he could recover. So then I'm at work and get the call from mom. And it's the crash, not the recover. And so the hardest moment was having to try to call somebody to come fill my spot.
0: Oh fuck. Oh,
1: you like, and all I want to do is get to the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, my, and the, the managers are in the meetings and I'm also trying in the nicest way possible, like send text or this, that like, Hey, i need to get going. Hey, do you mind? If it's this person. And, uh, but I was able to get to the hospital and, you know, looking back, I, I don't, don't know if you even prize the right word, but it's tough being like the, the man in the room. But a lot all the family was kind of there, and we are all still in Texas. Um and it gave me comfort to know that my brother had been in the night before to see my dad. They didn't always have the best relationship. My sister and me had a, a better relationship with my dad than my brother did. Um and we were there and I get asked if they should take him off life supporter if we should wait for his brother to stick around and i'm the one who has to make the call let's wait wow and i did i did call him for a quick second <laughs> i mean I, I didn't do it without his ass but he was you know a little bit away he's an hour or so away but he's just like if you don't mind i'd, I'd really appreciate it if you if you wouldn't do it so i have to tell the nurse no we're gonna wait and uh the second is his oldest brother Rourke got there. Um, you know, we kind of clear the room and let him. My father's hasn't spoken all day and stuff uh, at this point, and uh, but we just kind of clear the room and you got my uncle Rourke and my aunt Cindy in there, and Uncle Rourke's talking to him, and they start saying a prayer, and my mother's nephew, my cousin Merritt, walks in he didn't realize they'd gotten there and he just goes and puts his hand on my uncle's shoulder and a hand on my dad and he kind of leans in for the prayer <laughs> and my dad just starts going back up back up back up!" That's amazing <laughs> and, and Marit's like what back up give me air and so Marit leaves and he walks he walks out and he runs into my mom and he just goes, he's talking. And she goes, she goes, No, he just does that. And he goes, No, 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 he's no, no. talking. No, no. <laughs> so he gets in the room. And so he then mayor runs downstairs and me and Vanessa are just sitting there thinking we kind of said our goodbyes. And he comes down, and he goes, He's talking. So me and Vanessa were able to go back upstairs. And we had just had the kind of conversation about how with my grandmother, I'd his mother, I'd I'd seen in a hospice. And I didn't want that being my last memory. That was a tough one. So I'd already kind of made my mind that I didn't want my last memory to be the worst of the memories. If you could put it in that term, yeah, yeah. but, uh, but we got up there and I, you know, I was able to talk to him for a few minutes. And one of the things I was happiest about was just sell him how proud I am of him and how proud he should be of me and that I'm going to, carry on his legacy basically. And then I, you know, I, I wanted him when he died to, to be proud of me and I wanted him to hear me say that I'm proud of myself and that he's done a good job. Um, so I'll never take back that moment. Um, and then I remember telling my sister, you know, I kind of had her on the shoulder, saying, you know, thinking like, let's go. And she just goes, I, I'm going to go now, dad, or I can stay. <laughs> I'll stay. Love i'll it. stay oh, and um and i walked out and just on the way home man if anybody hasn't heard this yet don't when you when you hear the news please try your best not to drive
0: yeah and, I'll, I'll and second that.
1: if if you don't know the reasons why it's because you don't know when you might cry and break down and you really might run into something like it, it is it's tough um But I made it home.
0: No, you ain't wrong. Pier, thankfully, is a small town. Like, it's less than a mile and a half from the hospital. But, like, that mile and a half took me, like, 15 minutes. Like, it was – I stopped, gave it a cry, drove a couple feet, stopped. You know what I mean? Like, it's just – you just – you just – I mean, so, I guess – and there's no way for us to compare grief. I'm sure it just sucked a lot for both of us, clearly. Was there any bit of the grief – I don't even know if that's the right word. But, like, was there anything – did it help at all that you got to say goodbye? Did that make you feel any better, or or when you broke down, it was still you're still breaking down regardless of goodbye or not?
1: I think so. Yeah, um, I don't know. I like. Oh, not I never wanted to. Com- I, I want to say like I I felt bad for you, man, but I don't yeah. know. I think grief is something that's different between everybody. There's not a comparable point. It's yeah. apples and oranges every time. So to talk about like. It, you know, there's not like a competitive aspect. No, like we all God. lost. Yeah, Everybody sucks. lost.
0: Sucks. No matter what. But
1: I, I guess when I look back, I'm happy. <laughs> let, let me try to talk positive for a second. I'm yeah, happy no, because I, like I drove home, bought a bottle of Jack Daniels, which was my dad's drink. I got home and my roommate just goes, how's it going? And, I, and at that moment, I'd already kind of accepted it. And I was like, oh, that, Dad's going to die. And uh, he gave me a big hug. And Clay, who lived right next to me at the time, must see my truck, but he pops in within five minutes. And I have to tell him. And he gives me a big hug. And then I kind of get on the phone and I talked to Gabe, who talked to Eric. I talked to a few other people. And I went up to Baker Street Pub. And I, by the end of the night, I'd probably hugged 10 to 15 people and told them all, and my father died the, the next day, but I kind of told everybody. And I think I think I was able to kind of – I think that helped with me dealing with the grief and emotion. I was surrounded by so many people. And also, by the last time, by the 15th person and the 15th beer, I wasn't crying anymore to tell somebody my father was dead or dying or passed away.
0: That's interesting because I, I remember the, when we got home, uh, I, I went back to my now just mother's house. Cause it was, it was my parents' house, but I kind of helped my mom unpack. So she just had clothes, but then she literally sat down with her. Cause she still has a paper copy book full of names and phone numbers. And she just started calling people. She just started one by one calling just say, Hey, I just want to let you know, Tim died. And she'd break down. And the second time she'd break down and by I mean, no joke, 50 or more, but by the 50th you could hear a slight uptick in her voice not that she was happy about it, but you know what I mean. at least there was an acceptance and somehow by the process of telling it over and over and over again she almost got it out or you know accepted it or whatever and i and i'm glad you said that because it leads me perfectly to what i was going to ask you did you go to any type of counseling or therapy of any kind no interesting
1: no no not um no nah, ma'am i don't know you it, hey to each their own yeah no
0: oh I damn sure did yeah, I, I'll tell you uh, that right now I, I damn sure did I, uh, maybe, I
1: th- I, maybe maybe, this might be a part where I discuss did you pick up any vices <laughs> uh, ah. you know did, did I try to find escape Yeah, I you grab know a other areas drink grab. some more beers you know do some more things like uh yeah, John. Things, uh, I, I, think I... Let's be
0: clear. No, not worry about <laughs> those totally things. Kidding.
1: But no, <laughs> just
0: uh, no. I wish uh, Don't just, get uh, wrong. I went straight back to cigarettes. Uh, it, that delayed my quitting another couple months for sure. But uh, but, dude, I, look, I'm not telling anybody to do anything. Anybody else? Yeah. So,
2: isn't to a, a lot of this just like based off your personality, right? And like right. how you're going to process things, like whether or not you think a quick one or a slow one you would prefer or whether or not you decide to go to counseling or not. Like I, one, I don't know that you could possibly, I don't think most people know the answers to these questions. So it happens. Right. Right. And even when it does happen, you don't know. Right. But You're I, just I like doing it, the best the, you can day after day. Right. Yeah. Like, isn't that really yeah. what both of you did?
0: Yeah. I mean, you went to a bar, I went to a therapist. What is the difference? Honestly, yeah. <laughs> like you it's just telling your story. It's getting it out, and, and at least you for me.
1: <laughs> well, hey, you had to pay for yours.
0: <laughs> I mean, true. You were paying. I did a drink. You seven dollars. I didn't. A tri- I, a I
1: didn't I, no, I didn't so buy a drink, no, buy night. A drink that Ooh, night. No way.
0: Ouch,ay <laughs> sir. Now you win. That, that's fair. You. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. That's okay. So, was there anything that anybody said or did that actually helped? And I'll give you time to think because plenty of things were said. And obviously the thing earlier, I'm not going to circle back to some things were said. That was nice. Like, you know, people that were like, I know I can't help, but just I'm here if you ever need it or whatever. But you know what genuinely helped like a food, either gift cards or physically bringing food. And then B just invites to activities that were tactile. I, I got invited to a board game night. I got invited to ultimate Frisbee and I got invited to basketball. And that's just things that the conversation is either about the activity or there's no conversation. And it's just a way to re-socialize and get out there. I found that really helped as well as incredibly dark jokes. (laughs) incredibly (laughs) dark that is the least surprising
2: uh, thing i've ever heard in my life
0: bro the prats will never listen to this but they've all been on either simultaneously or singularly I, i love them forever we were at a uh what the hell is it called doesn't matter it's essentially a denny's but it's a south dakota denny's and the culmination of it is we are loudly joking across the room people can hear us about like phyllis mute this i know you're not listening but mute this we were joking about literally stealing my father's dead body and like rolling him around like in the waves because like there there was a river there's like crashes like, weekend at Bernie funny style. like literally we were joking about weekend at burning my father and that's not something that i imagine most people would enjoy i'm not telling anybody that that's what would help you same with therapy i don't know But the combination of both really helped me. I can't lie. That was, it was as hard as I had laughed in however many days. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was just, it went so dark and so heavy that you had to laugh. And that I found helped me. So John, if there was anything that people said or did that actually helped you, what what was it? Yeah. Well, the advice about not driving
1: uh, came from the same individual who gave me something that was very comforting. Uh, she'd gone, she'd lost her mother There's a woman named Katie who I'd work with. And uh, she spent every day with her mother and her brother lived in another city. And he got there when he could, but he couldn't. And one of the things she told me was like, both of them had thought they weren't able to spend enough time with her. So, so when she told me that after my dad died, I realized no matter how bad I felt, no matter how off like every time I thought to myself, oh, i could' i wish I would have spent more time with him. Everybody who loses somebody wishes they would have spent more time with them it's a, yeah. it's tough and you got and you'll still cry, and you'll still deal with it and um but that was the other i guess a little bit of if that is advice to just know that you know we all understand it takes time.
0: Uh, yeah but yeah and there's really there's no wrong way and like we were just we just took a break and, Eric and I were talking about this. there's no wrong way to deal with any of this like i mean i guess you know don't go drive your car into the strip mall or something don't do heroin other than that yeah other than shy of that there's really no if you need to take a moment or a week or whatever do it Like, like I, you know i'm yeah. not gonna act like i have any idea what i'm talking about but well there's nothing I, wrong i with
1: think it. i jumped like I took some time off. My company was nice enough. And, but I'd also had these trips planned. And I pretty much, after two weeks off, went right back to work because I knew I had vacations coming up. And I don't think that was the healthiest thing. The, my days at work were not great. And then my time off wasn't that great either. You know, like, uh, I don't, yeah. I, I think it's okay to admit, like, you, you need time to grieve. You yeah, know, and
2: there's, no timeline for any of this right like whatever that is is going to be individualized like however whatever stages you go through where you are with them that's going to be from person to person and then also i you too can attest to this but like it's not something you just like get over and like oh i'm good now it's like you know i deal with this every day and i've learned how to deal mm -hmm. with it but every day this is something that is part of me
0: ironically it happened at the same time that I decided to quit cigarettes and you don't quit cigarettes at any one time. You quit cigarettes every single day. I still, I'm almost two years quit now. And I still like, get Like, you know, a random trigger. Like if I have a steak, I want a cigarette and you have to fight it. That's the same thing with grief, kind of, sort of you, you address it every day and it comes in waves. And the first, however many days or months, those waves are huge and heavy and often, and they hit you and they hit you and they hit you and they hit. And eventually (sighs) there's more of a break in between. Eventually there's more of a gap. You know what I mean? And eventually you learn to recognize when they're coming and sort of ride them, kind of whatever you, you just you just get better at the grieving process day after day you know it, it's just like anything it, to say it's a skill i don't know if i should Now, say that, well but, to give a it's it's, it's it's something you need to practice like anything else honestly and it's weird to say it that way but you have to face it and you have to get better at it every single day
1: well to tell a little story a couple weeks ago like I, I do this fantasy soccer league and i'm actually not too bad at it uh I'm talking about top 2,500 in the USA. Uh, watch out. Come uh, on. Yeah. Man. But I made it to number one, and I had this thought, and I'm probably jinxing. I won't finish number one, but I was like, man, if I finish number one, you know what? My dad always supported me and supported the Tottenham. It's like, you know what? I might just write a little post. I might just be like, I want to dedicate this to my dad. And, hey. that, and that, but that destroyed me for the whole day. Like, mm-hmm. once I thought about that, I started thinking about my dad. And then had to go to work, and I was just like, Phew. "Like I just wasn't in the mood anymore, you know." So, I like the way you described it as waves because they come thick and yeah. fast early, and then yeah. you just don't really know when the next tsunami is going to hit, and it could be any little thing. Uh, and you just
0: so hopefully once again, hopefully
1: you're not driving when it hits. Yeah, <laughs> I, it's that's happened to me once before, but uh, yeah, that's yeah, true. It's, do uh, you
0: find yourself, John, like, do you find yourself, like, listening to music that you knew he liked yeah. or, like, watching shows or movies, like, on purpose? You know what I mean? Like, do, do you do that, like, in a, like, I'm going to do this because it reminds me of my dad. Do, do you do that on purpose? A bit. Yeah.
1: I mean, I kind of was yeah. curious about, you know, some of you all guys, dad's favorite songs and albums. Uh, one of the things, this is kind of a little sidebar, but, like, I recently got – a few books that I thought my grandfather's, but one of them was actually dedicated as a Christmas gift from 1888, you know? So, but wow, yeah, it's a, it's going to be a great read. Uh, But I understand what you mean where like, if I could read the books, my father was into or watch the movies or listen to music that can reconnect me with him
2: because that was what he
1: was into. So I do that. Yes. Um, one of the things I remember he always st- told me was, uh, the song Freebird. He's just like, man, he's like, it didn't matter where I was or what I was doing. I, the speed limit could be 55. And my dad was a safe driver. We'd be like, man, that song comes on. But by the end of it, I'm going 80 <laughs> you know, like for whatever reason. <laughs> like,
2: <laughs> you
1: uh-huh. know, so, uh, he, he was a huge fan of music and, uh, I, I connect with him. Through music, I I believe that. That's awesome. Yeah,
0: e I know your dad has like recorded songs or it's been on song like that our listeners would have heard of. Yeah, it's weird.
2: Randomly, I think the other day we were listening to um, "Tell It Like It Is" or something like that, the song, and he's like, "Oh yeah." I once recorded this with Smokey Robinson. I had a big solo. (laughs) It's just like, he'll say stuff like that. I'm like, okay, guy, that's, that's real cool. (laughs) Your dad,
0: seriously, like, he's actually a cool guy. Yeah. Like like he's, he's actually like, he could sit down in like a smoky bar with like musicians and he could swap stories with like
2: the greats. It's fucking, it's, it's wild. But but I honestly find that I, I can't, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Well, no, just like the talking about connections thing. Like, you know, um, like, my grandfather was a big Yankees fan. If I, like, watch a Yankees game, I think of him. And then, like, even when your parents are alive, I think you do that as well, right? Like, my dad loves the Masters, so, like, at least at some point next weekend when the Masters are or two weekends, I'm probably going to try and watch the Masters with them because it is a tradition and it means something, right? And so, like, staying connected awesome. in that kind of way, yeah.
0: Yeah, dude, I mean, that's – for some reason, I can't get – my dad was a huge Beatles fan and Todd Rundgren fan, and I – And maybe it's something that I'm doing on purpose or subconsciously. I can't get into them the way I used to because I used to love the Beatles. And I liked Todd. I liked a lot of his stuff. And there's a luster that has fallen off. And maybe it's the same idea. You know, it's like a – I thought it was a Who fan. Well, you don't have somebody – Was a fan of the Who? The Who and Yes
2: for sure. The Beatles was his favorite and Todd was definitely number Uh,
0: two. But regardless, Gosh. I can't dig on. But that. like,
2: you don't get to share that with them now, right? Yeah. So like, but what I do, it's not like you listen to it and yet. But
0: I mean, but what I do, I, I find myself rooting for Ohio State in anything that I happen to turn on. Uh, Ohio State was playing Michigan in college lacrosse today, and I tuned in, and I, I knew what I was doing. i like I. I've never really hated Michigan, but I do now because like it's like you know it's, it's, it's like my little. Uh, my, like my little one-up like all right yeah, dad, yeah, yeah. i got you i'll hate i'll hate them for you
2: and sports hate is the best it hate. really sports is because it's is so
0: you good. know it's fake you know i'm never gonna like what my best friend growing up michael uh he was a michigan fan and my dad and him used to always bullshit and me and michael said he's always it, it's purposefully fake and that's why it's fun and that's what, i mean and i admit that i'm doing that now you know like it kind of more or less on purpose but also john do you find <laughs> that you and your family like do you talk about your dad now? Like does it come up in conversation? Or is it something that you need to like cause I I can always tell specifically with my mom and sometimes with my brother. I can tell when it's like, oh, we need to just like talk about it. Like, you know what I mean? Like I we need to just just say it, clear the air, you know what I mean? Bring bring it up and then move along. Do you guys do the same thing? Do you guys bring him up much? Do you talk about him much? Probably. Yeah.
1: You know? Um, I think I, I think any chance you can bring him in, in a positive light, you know, for instance, that's his favorite song or, Oh, didn't you know, because it, in a part, I really don't think all of my nieces and nephews are going to remember Papa Foof. Great name, by the way. Yeah. I but love that. I, the person I, still that. Hope. I love that so much. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but I really hope the oldest do kind of remember the connection because I also think they can mm. retell the stories, you know, and they'll pass, it. they'll tell how much. And so it's, it's just about supporting, uh,
0: the, yeah. the, the road yeah.
1: tribe. <laughs> it's just about kind of, uh, you know, if you get an opportunity to talk about it, you know, or is this, that the other, I mean, my dad worked for tech side. he built a lot of roads. If we're driving over one of the roads he worked on, we're going to tell him about how he built it, you know? And let's, let's bring it back to life.
0: It is. You know, let's, it's you know, undeniable that when you talk about a, certainly a recently fallen, you know, patriarch or matriarch of a, of a family, it becomes tribal. You can't get away from it. There is a, there's a very primitive thing that is telling stories about, you know, your fallen fellow clansmen, and not
2: KKK, obviously. I'm not making good jokes, tonight, guys. guess
0: I'm just not, I'm just not in the, I am not in the headspace for zingers. Well, it
2: might depend on your relative, technically, Joe, if you want to be really specific Good point, sir.
0: Good point, sir. I'm not in the headspace for jokes, but it is weird how, how you, you have to go to this deeper level when you talk about it. Cause like with my mom, it's like 50% of the conversations we have, like it, it just, it just comes up. Like basically, one, certainly one out of three, probably one out of every two phone calls. Like my dad gets brought up one way or the other. With my brother, it's like 5-ish to 10%. With, with other family members, I'm finding it's like a good majority because I think they think they need to. That's you know what I mean? I think they feel like it's like almost like a – you know what I mean? And it's nice. I, again, I, I get that it's – I think it's just a weird thing humans do because, again – Yeah, you I was like, going to say – Yeah, yeah. Like
2: it, it's, it's – Part, think we, of, part we, of that, though, is like human history, right? Like, yeah. Like, that's how we tell stories. That's how we do things. Like think about the history books you read. They're all actually just like – individual stories of dudes most Uh of the
0: time hey this dead guy did this this time like that is the majority of human history i mean it's it's all human that's what history is and so like it's the bible yeah it's it's the bible it's the quran it's every history book you've ever read it's the torah it's quite literally everything that's ever been written at least 50 years ago or earlier is only referencing dead guys like it's, it's just what it is yeah also john do you dream about your dad is is that is that a phenomenon that you have
1: not often i don't dream often i Hmm. get a pretty i got a pretty clear conscience i get get a pretty good night's sleep (laughs) but no i mean there have been times i've dreamt about my dad interesting uh and and they're impactful when i wake up um You know, it feels like, you know, I got to listen to him, you know, you know, it it seems like it comes in time of stress. Mm. Uh, Might have been one of the reasons why I was, you know, dreaming, but uh, I, I don't have too many dreams. I get a really good night's sleep. Good for you.
0: I I normally, I normally don't honestly dream about uh, my dad really for the first like 19 months ish or so. After his death, like you know, maybe two or three times. And after his death, two or three times, maybe. But uh, John, when we talked a few weeks ago about doing this topic, I have dreamt about him so much more lately. It's odd. And one day, and it's weird. He said stress because one day I was having honestly a terrible week uh, at work, sales week or whatever, blah blah blah. And I had for the first time a, cause I mean, usually it's just like, I'm sitting watching a ball game or something. And like my dad happens to be next to me and it's just like, no, it's like just nonchalant. And I wake up and I'm like, Oh man, that was my dad. Like, I can't believe I was sitting next to the yeah, yeah. But this one in particular was the only one so far where like, I realized it like during the dream. Like, I guess some people call it lucid dreaming or whatever. I realized like, Oh man, this is not reality. You're my dad. Like, Oh my gosh, what's going on? And we had, a real conversation. You know what I mean? Like I'm not a smart enough person to tell you what is real or not. Is that likely just the manifestation of my mind's remembrance of a human being that I had an intense connection with and a fabrication of that? Probably. But something felt different. Something felt real. And we had a real conversation. And like, honestly, I don't remember a lot of the stuff, but I do remember the end. He was asking me about my kids and I said, yeah, they still remember you. And you know what? I think Sam, my brother, I think Sam would really enjoy a visit like this. And he goes, yeah, yeah, you're right. And we hugged and I woke up. And it was incredibly trippy because I I woke up and just stared at the ceiling for hours. Or at least it felt like hours. I don't know. But is that actually him... I, you know, I, I can see how people would take comfort in the belief that that actually was his soul somehow manifesting across the expanse of the infinite, you know, words, blah, blah, blah. Could that have been him? Maybe. Would I have wanted it to be? Absolutely. I would love for that to have actually been a real encounter, you know, with my father. Like, that would be, that would be awesome. I'm not going to pretend like I wouldn't want that to be true. Do you believe, either one of you, that that is possible? Now, I'm not talking like a uh, – I just forgot the guy's name. The guy that made that TV show Talking to the Dead, John uh, – whatever the fuck. I almost said John Stamos, but it's definitely not John Stamos. Whatever that guy was, he was like the crossing over with John Edwards. Oh, yeah. I'm, John not, Edwards, talking, yeah. I'm not talking that. I'm not talking that at all. But in a, in a dreamed state or a, a maybe even a heightened you know, mental state, if you're really just focusing your energy or meditating or whatever, it, do you believe that that is possible for the realm of the dead to – to, honestly, Eli, like kind of like we we're talking about, like in of los Muertos, like they, there is a whole culture that believes that's possible. Do you believe that it's po- not that it's true, not that it happened? Do you believe it's possible?
2: Yeah, I do. Um, really? I don't see why not, quite honestly. Right. Like part of it is just like scientifically, there's an argument to be made that like the way we process the entire world is in our brain. Right. And so, like, the yeah. truth of everything lies within like the way we process it in our brain. So this experience, if you process it as true in your brain, like your brain can convince you that it is a true experience and this is something that happened. But beyond that, like, you know, as somebody who does believe in an afterlife and spirits and the ability of angels and all that kind of stuff, like I don't see why it's impossible for there to be some sort of subconscious connection with somebody who's passed where you yeah. get the information you need or, you know, those moments when you really need something or it would do you good that you could have it. Like, that's not crazy to me.
0: That's hmm. why, cause I cannot deny that it genuinely changed my mood. Mm. I had been in a bad mood. I was having a bad sales month. I was just, you know, all the negativity was manifesting and that happened. And I woke up the next day just in a better mood. And regardless of if it was real or not, doesn't matter for the practical effect that it did make me feel happier. Now, could it be real? Makes me—I don't. I admit I hesitate, but I don't what do you mean why. by real here? You know what I mean? Okay, yeah. Exactly. It sounds
1: like it, it sounds like it was it, real. You, you, it made a change in The, the It made a change. It's a, the
0: the, effect, it made a the change? effects were real.
1: Sounds like it was real. The effects
0: me. were real. But also, John, you and I have been in situations where we saw things that were not there. And we both know for a fact those fucking things were not there. because The ambulance
1: been, the ambulance beside been, the lake in Tahoe was there, though.
0: Now, that, that actually ambulance,
1: was. That was there. John so, pulled magic
0: true. out of a lake in Lake Tahoe. And I'm not going to say anything further, but he literally pulled magic out of a lake. That actually happened. Multiple other things that we saw on multiple other experiences did not. So I don't know. Here's a real question. Does it matter? Does it truly matter if it was just my own mind's manifestation, or if there was a no, temporary no, bridge?
1: No, no, man. No. If you If, if you talk voodoo and seances and telling me you were talking to your dad, I'd be happy for you, man. Like, uh, I, I don't, I, I think there is a connection to the past. I think your comment on deal with those mortals is a good point. I think
0: the good I line stole is, that from E pre-show, so I'm not going uh, to take credit. E's the smart one of the show. I think everybody knows that. Yes, it's true. But yeah, I mean, there's a whole civilization. There are multiple societies and cultures that believe that there is at least a temporary reconnection with souls that have. But I've always believed
1: there's also like the line, like you have two deaths the day you die, the day you're forgotten. Mm. It's like you haven't forgotten your father. Your father hasn't died. He lives on through you and you can reconnect through him. And it's probably easier whenever you're not awake and you're stressing about work. It's probably a lot easier whenever you're asleep and your mind's able to go back to your inner consciousness Mm. and you're going through all the old memories and all the old things he used to tell you. You know, I I bet Tim had a, a whole ton of words of wisdom. But my father, one time when I was, you know, I was going to Hyde Park, I was probably like 13 or 14. I was stressing out. I wasn't sleeping well. I kind of told my dad, and I was like, man, you know, I don't know. And he goes, John, the way I remember it is when you die, God's going to judge you. And so don't worry about anybody else's judgment. And he just told me that. And like, as a guy going to Hyde Park, that, you know, it's all of a sudden, it's like, okay, I'm not going to worry about, I'm not going to worry about what this teacher thinks or that person thinks or that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, you know what? God's going to judge me in the end. So I thank my dad every day for, Giving me that pearl of wisdom, and that's what makes me want to ask y'all guys some of your dad's pearls of wisdom. If they've, if they, you know, gave you any little tidbits. Another one of my dad's was because he was the cook of the family. He made sure every single night we had a starch, a vegetable, and a meat on the plate.
0: And you weren't allowed to wear tank tops to the table, which I respect your. I respect you know, your no, father you, for you know, no, so no, much. No, you have no, no idea. No, no,
1: no. It's fine. No, no, don't don't disrespect him. You you had to wear a shirt. Tank tops, yes. tank tops are fine. You can't
0: come. Oh no, it was wife beaters. I, he may <laughs> have. You weren't allowed have. to wear they wife beaters. No, they, to, may have. Are you fucking kidding? He made Clay and I change on more than one occasion, and I respect that. He probably because that's not he, appropriate. Sure, that's not appropriate. Well. This is the table. You should wear oh, a shirt, and this, I respect that to this day.
1: This is – man, let me ask you all. When y'all were sitting in like polite society dinners, if you put your elbows on the table, would any of your parents ever thick them? Like if I ever really put my elbow on, on the table, my dad would flick it, flick my elbow because it, it's apparently not polite to, to set your elbows down at rest like at a, a public de- banquet table.
2: Like you should – Keep one hand low and one hand high and eat your food and stuff like that. Not, not flicked, but yes, I've multiple times been told to get my elbows off the table. (laughs) Generally it was, it was grandparents (laughs) or like somewhere else, but yeah. Okay.
0: Cool. See, here's something, and this is just a, again, probably unique to my experience. My father's father died when my father was five years old, maybe six uh he was a, a war vet he came back he had some heart issue died of a heart attack not coincidentally it is why i have quit smoking it's why i've changed my diet and gone to the doctor so many times lately because holy shit hey heart you need to keep eating anyways my father did not have a father growing up so he was never especially you know we all know our grandfathers were assholes yeah. as they were supposed to be yeah let's talk about be. it no but oh. my father was not burdened with that. My father was far more free in that his mom then had a military stipend and didn't have to work. So she just kind of was in and around. And he basically just grew up on the fly in the 70s in a very loose uh, atmosphere, we'll say. And that applied to me in that he would give me basic instructions. But as far as any rules as far as don't put your elbows on the table or we're gonna have a starch a meat and a vegetable we didn't have any of that shit we we had none of that until he found jesus in the south and then we kind of started to morph into a a very southern baptist you know all black church style but still none of the right angles were ever there In, in fact i remember being at other people's houses growing up realizing like how much more strict their fathers were than mine i remember driving we used to always roll the windows down when my father was driving, roll the windows down at any red light and ask whoever, whatever car was next to us, if they had any gray coupon. I didn't even understand why that was funny. Obviously that commercial wasn't on TV in 94. It was like, it's from 10 year, 15 year old, but he did it once. And so then my brother and I did a thousand times. I remember I was with a friend of mine. His name was Austin. (laughs) I rolled the window down because his mom was driving at a red light and started to go into the bit, And she rolled the window up and yelled at me. And I, I was just stunned. I was just like, so "Oh, it's funny because that's not funny. You can't do that. as a stranger. You can't get that straight. I was just like, oh, God, other people's parents are different than mine. And that so to say, I, I don't know that I could quote any of his pearls of wisdom, but his overall general demeanor is what has guided me through life. As I noticed, he was just different than most of the other right angled fathers that I had come across with.
1: As are you, Joe. As are you. I've noticed. I, I don't think that's. I don't think there's much oh, I do to change that. I, I mean, as a accomplishments. I don't think that's even I mean,
0: a choice anymore. A man. <laughs> no, I'm happy. I wouldn't trade anything for it. I would never go back on what I had. Do I was you know? It was incredible. Like, do you know where he grew up?
1: My dad grew up uh, in Columbus, Ohio. Ohio.
0: So no, that's it's what, why I do, it's why guys. my accent is so weird. That's
1: so why he's a buck. Why my guy.
0: accent is yeah. Both both my parents are from Ohio. They met in Ohio State. They moved down to Texas as my brother and I. That's why our accents are fucked up because we grew up in Austin, which isn't even super Texas, but then still surrounded by Texas. But then at home yeah, was Texans. the Ohio Northern accent. So it's just my my accent is just whatever you want to call this. I don't even know. What about your
2: dad, Eric? Where would he grow up? Here, man. Is he Texan? Yeah, he was born in Crystal City. He moved he moved to Austin when he was like. A baby, or like a toddler, or something like that, went to Reagan and LBJ when it opened up. So, yeah, nice. Your mom, too? Uh, my mom's from Louisiana, and then she moved here for grad school. Very cool. Most from Louisiana, yeah, man. That makes sense, doesn't it? Everything (laughs) I learned about her, she's
0: just cooler and cooler,
2: Yeah. yeah. Well, she'll be glad to hear that. She's definitely listening.
0: (laughs) Uh, Mo, I love you. I always have. Thank you for everything you did not get me in trouble for when you totally could have. So thank you for that (laughs) very much. Um, All right. So I I think we're kind of here. I do. Wow. We're going to circle back twice in an episode. This has never happened before. John, the the idea of the role of the father Uh in your household. What was the role of your father?
1: Disciplinarian. Mm. Uh, Breadwinner. Uh, I think so many of our listeners are gonna know my mom and know how caring she is. It yes, really like, listeners, bro. And, well, I think all of them are gonna know. <laughs>
0: they definitely are.
1: My mom, and she just there wasn't, especially early on, there wasn't a lot of work my dad had to do on the kid front. My mom had it covered, mm. and uh, but um Try, give me one sec
0: no you're good because i'm intrigued by the disciplinarian portion because I mean this question is for honestly both of you because you know whatever did you ever have that moment where you stood up to your dad and you were like this is it I'm a man you know while you were like still living in his house did you ever stand up and be like this is the moment like John did you ever have that moment where you're like I am willing to throw hands right now like it, this is gonna happen did you ever have that moment
1: no, my interesting my older brother was not always the nicest. I played the role of the good younger brother who uh-huh. who supported and uh you know would try to be the nice son and in indeed and, and I did a good you know i I felt like. I, 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 it. I played football, Kenneth did not. I went to college, Kenneth did not. And, you know, our lives were kind of going different ways. and uh, But I always – maybe I could have done a better job of supporting him, you know, in different areas. But I I was good at playing the role of the, the good son, and I was happy in that role. Now, to think about some of the disciplinary punishments, I remember, remember my dad, we, we got the spanking. We got the belt. I don't know about y'all, but uh and mm-hmm. my dad would be like, Hey man, he's like, If you if you bend down, I'm gonna hit you in the back, or if you jump, I'm gonna hit you in your legs. so you might as well just take it. Yeah. But I like if you know, he'd get watching his news. So if, if I was two in bucks, he'd send me in the room and I used to go to my room. And I would put on, like, so many boxers and sweatpants and then my blue jeans. And I would just uh, sit there. And, I would up there and, and And I would just sit there just waiting, waiting just like, oh, man, he's going to catch me. He's going to catch me. He's going to – and then, like, he'd come in and be like, all right, it's time for your spankings. <laughs> and later, years and years later, he used to go, what always struck me was when I sent you in your room and made me feel bad was you – I'd go in there. You weren't playing with your toys or having fun. You're just sitting there waiting. <laughs> he, had, he, he had no idea that I was sitting there waiting because I was so worried. That he the was
0: waiting ready. was
2: the hardest part.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. We both were waiting. It's like there's a song about that. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, nah, How about you, dude? Did you ever, did you ever stand? Like, I I, I cannot picture this happening, but did, did that ever happen? Did you ever, like, you know, you know what I mean? Like, did that, did that moment ever happen?
2: Yeah. So. My dad was also the disciplinarian, but a part of that, I think, was cultural in a certain yeah, way. Like, I don't that know was that that time, was his dude. natural disposition. Um, you know, we did used to get in arguments. I don't, you know, I am pretty non-physical when it comes to, like, being combative. I am much more the mental, emotional, and verbal abuser <laughs> if I'm going to, like, <laughs> react. So, like, that would be, that was more my thing, just being like, you know, this is like not a good idea, right? Like, what are we actually doing here? It was more of that kind of thing than it was God, like, so no, dad, we can't do this. Yeah, I, that's as it. a
0: parent, I would rather that. I would rather illogical yelling because I can yell louder. But if you're bringing up mm-hmm. real points and saying, you know, this is a bad idea. It's like, God damn it, son. Will you stop with your logic and your your, your ideas? Yeah,
2: they're like, because I said so, I was, I you know, that's always like, a, well, that's not really actually a reason to do anything. Like, that's <laughs> that's not a real point. You know what I mean? Oh, like,
0: God, that's yeah. killing me. That's That is, oh, my word. I do. Oh my word! I, I remember I stood up one time, uh, one time to my dad. I might have said the story on the podcast, but since we're here, we're going to do it. I had mouthed off to my mom about something, and she said something back like, "You better not walk away when you say that or something, something." And I said, "I'll do what I want." And I turned, and my father, who did not have a kneecap, uh, he lost his kneecap in college. He was a hurdler. He busted it on a on a hurdle that was set up wrong, so it didn't give. Wait, so Tim Hurdle too. Him. Yeah. Yeah. Surprise. Of course. I of course am is. that motherfucker. It, this this was a realization that Joe Brady and I came to many, that's many years ago. Got, Holy shit. We are our parents. You Holy shit. From. Who knew? Yeah. That's where know, I got my hops from was literally him. Anyways, he didn't move that quick anymore. Cause he, you know, he's been without a kneecap for 20 years. He moved so quick this day. I didn't realize he still had it. I said something spouty spouty. I'm tough. 17 year old. Look at me. I turned around and he had suddenly just appeared. Like he was in the other room. He wasn't with, and suddenly he's just in my face. We're in the kitchen. He's in the edge of the kitchen. I'm more or less in the middle of it. And he says something like, you're going to apologize to your mom. And this was the moment that 16, 17 year old me, I don't know, but I thought I was tough. I realized that I'm making, this is it. I'm making my stand. And I just said something like, no, or I'm not going to do that or whatever the fuck I said. It doesn't matter. He never broke eye contact with me, but reached to his side where the junk drawer was The drunk drawer was also the spot where he kept his keys, his shitty phone from 98 or 2001 or whatever, and his Bible hardback. He picks up the Bible without breaking eye contact, raises it up above his head and just gives me a look. I didn't say a word, but that look said, am I have to beat you with this Bible? And God is my witness. He was going to whoop my ass with a Bible that day. y'all. So, so I, I, I just backed down and I, I said, I said something smart alecky. And he goes, you're going to want to look away now. And I broke eye contact instantly and just ran, tuck tail, t- tuck tail and ran. And that was the moment that I realized I was like, I don't know that I'm ever going to be able to, you know, whatever. And I expect that from Raiden one day. Cause like we already wrestle on whatever, but like that he, my father, that was Probably the the most tense we'd ever got because he wasn't the disciplinarian. I mean, he kind of was, but my mom kind of was too. My father never once spanked me or whooped me. Maybe once when I was like eight. I kind of remember like, but literally maybe only once. Never again. Because again, he was raised without that. His father was in the military. So had his father survived, I probably would have had that. And it would have changed the entire course of my life because it wouldn't be who I am. I never once got that, 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 that authoritarian father figure. Until this moment. And I'm like 16, 17 years. And then that's when I realized like, oh my God, this guy would kill me. Like he could destroy me right now. You know what I mean? Did that's you guys know that already? Did you, had you already kind of figured that out of like fighting is not a good idea with this man? I don't,
2: I don't know that I thought like about fighting as much as I thought about just like, no, that never really occurred to me that like, oh, I shouldn't fight this person. Cause they'll beat me. <laughs> I don't think I ever wanted a physical confrontation in any way to begin with I,
1: I i would never i also right now in my life would never want a physical conversation with your dad your dad would kick my ass <laughs> no but um i think some of the things that seems with my brother's problem with the relationship and him being the oldest came from them wrestling one day and my dad still getting the upper hand and it was so close to, that there was this tension now it, it, and we're talking about dads. There was also a time whenever I got that physical and close where my brother and I were about to throw blows. And I think it would probably have been very similar to the time my dad and him, like just the idea of like, we're, my brother's four years older than me. So like when you're 12 and 16, that's pretty big when you're 21 and 25, it's a little bit less. Yeah. And, uh, so I can remember times when my brother went and it was riding high. You talk about military families, Joe, and my grandfather, his, my dad's father was a war vet, hero, whatever you want to call him, South Pacific Marine. You know, he deserves his due. But I remember a day I was having a hard day and my, my dad goes, my father one time told me you got to depend on yourself where are your friends? Are your friends going to bail you out of jail? Where are they going to be when you really need help? And I looked at my dad and I go, hmm. I think your dad's wrong. Your dad was wrong. <laughs> and he looks at me and goes, I think you're right. Oh,
2: that's amazing. <laughs> hey. and, uh, and it was one of those things just,
1: you know, I pride myself on my friends. I think my friends will be there. And I think that was one of those things. He had a hard time. He, my dad didn't have a lot of friends, but he also had the military father that didn't give him a lot of positive reinforcement and support. You know, when he wanted to, you know, maybe drop a class, he's like, no, you can fail it, but you can't drop it. You know? You're yeah, you're exactly.
0: But dude, that's just like the role of a father has changed so much. I mean, in the, this is 2021 in 1921, all it took to be like a good father is just to, only beat your kids like three times a week. No, maybe only slap, maybe not, only slap your wife around on, a few
1: times. Let's not. Joke. What do you mean?
0: Come on, I'm not going to let you
1: make fun of maybe what would have been fifty percent of the. Like, come on, let's pretend like. What? Well, what year did you say again? Nineteen twenty-one. <laughs> One
0: hundred years ago. No,
1: I, I don't guarantee. I don't buy that. Yes. I think yes. I don't think in 1921 the majority of the country fathers were beating their kids. I do. I, I now now is that all right, go ahead, Eric? You do, you I tell you what? Why, don't, why doesn't Eric decide what happened in 1921? <laughs> I, I did take a history class with him. And so I, I trust that he might be able to it. this.
2: Um, it, it was military history. That's right. So he that was one of the worst professors I ever had in my life. <laughs> um, that was wild. Uh, but, yeah, I think, I think, John, like, if they were going to instill discipline, I think it was much more likely in 1921 that that discipline was enforced physically then you know time out let's say or like some sort of mental thing let's sit down and have a talk
1: so are we judging these people's discipline by how we judge discipline today is that what we're doing
0: because oh don't get me wrong like, it, well, it's it's,
1: my it's just mom, like my mom used to have to walk outside and pick which branch her grandmother was spanker with
0: and that was only 50 years ago. I'm that, talking 100 years ago, bro. That definitely happened. Yeah. You just cited evidence for my side of the story. Well, look, like, well, what's wrong with discipline?
1: <laughs> 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 oh, Lord. Have, to be fair
2: to John, I promise you, kids in 1921 process that type of discipline differently. Than kids now would Ooh. you know what i mean like Ooh. because it was yes. so normal yes. that was just the way it was now yes. that's why they grew up you know a certain way we're talking about children of the depression right now so like yeah, yeah.
0: their lives yeah. i just bought raiden a nintendo switch they literally were getting hit with switches that is a big generational gap so let's not pretend all right so fair i i think we've kind of gone off the, the you're, rails you
1: just you just take the switch away from them huh
0: I'm going to hit him with it. I'm real hard. I'm a to break $400. I'm going to break over your
2: face. Hold it above his head. And, and that's the, the, the moment eye. he stands up to his father. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah you better you better oh, switch shit. back joe i
0: love it so okay I, i'm gonna attempt to wrap this up because this has been awesome seriously john i love you brother thank you for coming on you you know hey, i love man. you man thank you for dead, being the rational one of this show but i i think we can all say none of our parents none of our fathers are perfect but i i know eric's father i knew john's father and they were not afraid to tell us they love us and they were not afraid to tell us they they were proud of us. And that is the only thing that I want to try to live up to that standard as a father, John. To answer your question from the very beginning of this podcast, the role that I want to have. Sure, I, I, I want a mansion in the hills with a you know a helicopter pad and then like three swimming pools. Yeah, sure. But I'm probably not going to get that. So the only thing to me that matters is making sure they know I love them. You know what I mean? So, I mean, it, it, it's just... The, the idea that I am willing to be open to tell them that even when I'm mad at them, I love them. And that no matter what, that's not going to change. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, Joe, I love that you said that because I think one thing I've learned from watching people go through what you two went through and other people is that like how important it is to make that very clear to people when you have the chance, right?
0: Always. Always. So it, it, if any of you made it through what's probably like an hour 30 of this, I love you. Thank you. And go call your family. Tell them you love them. I love you too. See y'all next time.